Commutify presents Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Each week, we explore the challenging issues transportation demand management professionals face on their journey to transition commuters from driving alone to more sustainable, shared and active commuting habits. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify. This is Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Hi, everyone, and welcome aboard to this week's Between the Lines podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tyler Sweetock. Tyler is the executive director of the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance, which is the first and largest statewide coalition of public, private, academic, and research organizations committed to advancing smart cities initiatives. That's a lot. We'll get into it. And uh, Tyler's built his career solving problems at the intersection of technology and urbanism and has held strategic roles advancing electric, connected, and automated mobility initiatives uh, at the City and County of Denver, Colorado Department of Transportation, and the American Lung Association. And now at the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance, he has been leading the Alliance's role in AVCO, or Autonomous Vehicles Colorado, which is the nation's largest electric automated transit service aimed at improving public transit. And that's actually what we'll be talking about. But uh, before we get into that, thanks for joining me today, Tyler. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Andy. Uh, this, is, this is my first podcast, so I'm really excited. And, and we're actually, uh, for those of you not watching, we are joined by Tyler in his office in downtown Denver. So you might hear some, some background noise, but hey, this is, we're, we're back, you know, we're not at home. We can actually have things going on. So we're excited to, to see you in an actual office. It's pretty exciting. Um, so today we're talking about why Autonomous Vehicles Colorado or AVCO, this program, um, kind of run uh, or led by the, the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance, why this will help save the planet. And I think this is uh, a really interesting conversation because we talked with Lauren Isaac of Easy Mile several episodes ago, um, who's a partner of yours on one of these uh, projects. And actually last episode, we talked with Marie-France Lauren, who is uh, with uh, Stantec, who also, I believe, is a partner of yours. And we talked about autonomous vehicles. So this is perfectly relevant, and I think it's going to be a great conversation. Um, but for those, of, for those of our listeners who haven't tuned into either of those two episodes, I think let's kind of level set here and talk about what we're actually talking about when we're talking about autonomous vehicles. So can you tell me, Tyler, when we talk about vehicle automation in this context, what are we talking about? Is this individually owned autonomous vehicles or shared? Like, what is this? look like to to users yeah the term autonomous vehicles is is relatively broad but you can break it down by what we call levels of autonomy from zero to five and zero is basically where you know the human does everything and five is this future world where in any condition in any weather in any road the the control of driving is handed over to a, a automated driving system okay so what we're talking about here are highly automated driving systems this is level four and level five where the driver has no responsibility for what happens on the road it's all handed over to an automated driving system and they can be shared and uh like we have an avco or they can be individually owned but the the vehicle is doing the driving not the the human being interesting and I think one of the, maybe the keys to key in on here, at least with the vehicles that are being used in, in the pilots here, you know, you're working on, 
is that these are also electric. Is that right? And, and what is the benefit of having this autonomous electric vehicle? They are, yeah. So we're using what are called EZ10, Easy Mile shuttles. They're 100% electric. They're also level four automated. And for the most part, the autonomous vehicle industry is being driven by electric drivetrains because electric drivetrains, yes, they have environmental benefits, but primarily they have tremendous cost benefits. Electricity is much cheaper than mm-hmm. uh, petroleum fuel and uh, the maintenance requirements of electric vehicles are much lower. And so automation is primarily driven by the, the idea that if you remove the driver, the business case for providing transportation becomes a whole lot easier. When you combine electric and automated, it becomes even a stronger business case. And that's what we're, we're hoping to prove in, in AFCO. And I like this because you know, we talk a lot about different solutions in transportation demand management, TDM, um, and, you know, certainly something like an autonomous electric, you know, shared vehicle fits squarely in that. And like we come back to almost every episode, yes, there's environmental benefits, but there's always, almost always cost benefits as well, which is, which is great to see. Um, one thing additionally, I think that comes out of this is, uh, and I'll, I'll quote you on something that, that, you know, you were sent me earlier before we got on the, on the podcast, which is that these types of of vehicles can help dramatically increase access and radically transform the transportation system. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, what you mean by that? Absolutely. Yeah. So again, if in in my opinion, in the opinion of, I I think the broader transportation industry right now, one of the biggest barriers to providing better transportation and getting more people to where they need to go and goods where they need to go faster and safer Um, cost is the primary barrier to additional access. Um, And I think that with this project and with automation in general, if you can remove the driver, at least from certain circumstances, right? um, You can, you can remove the largest cost associated with transportation. And if you can electrify the drivetrain at the same time, you can cut, you know, the cost of mobility by 80% or more. Wow. And if you can do that, then you can provide more transportation to more people through a transit type of environment where not everyone has to own a car um, Mm -hmm. and have the cost associated with owning and insuring and maintaining their own vehicle. You can have the shared mobility ecosystem where you have new modes of transportation. Maybe you have an automated shuttle that takes you from your home to the transit station and then, you know, the transit system takes you where you need to go. You get off and you ride, you know, a scooter to work or whatever. Um, also, I think that if you don't have to pay attention while you're driving to work, there are tremendous land use and um, zoning implications for where people will choose to live if, you know, transportation isn't as much of a barrier or a cost. So, you know, Lots of people are opinionated about how this could transform cities, and it very much will. I don't think anyone's really settled on how it will, but it certainly has the opportunity, if we use it right, to increase access uh, to transportation. I mean, I think that's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about the zoning implications. So this is like a completely other conversation. Maybe I'll have have you back or have another guest on to talk about that at some point. But um, let's dive in a bit into the 
um, you know, what you're actually doing. So Autonomous Vehicles Colorado or AVCO is, is a program, you know, uh, led by the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance. And you have uh, projects maybe going on across the state of Colorado. Um, can you kind of tell me a little bit, what is AVCO? What are your goals? And, and maybe then we can get into some of the actual projects that you're doing. Absolutely. About two years ago, you know, I've, as you mentioned, I spent most of my career in the smart mobility space, trying to bring new technologies from the private sector to, to benefit the public. And in this case, about two years ago, I sat down with Lauren Isaac at Easy Mile and, and said, look, autonomous electric shuttles have been tested and piloted all over the world, right? But they've never been scaled and they've never been integrated into a real transit service that can, in theory, change people's transportation behavior and not just be you know, a one-off pilot or, or a gimmick, right? Um, so we set off on this mission to identify use cases across the state of Colorado here where their home is um, that can demonstrate what a real fleet-based use case and transit service would look like in an automated on public roads in mixed traffic type of type of thing. And we identified three use cases that we thought we could prove. And then we had to go out and find the partners in order to, you know, scope this and develop it and find funding and, and do all of that. Um, you know, three use cases that we found. One is, you know, campus circulator environments, like a university where, you know, you've got student housing, maybe you've got an athletic complex, and maybe you even have a city, which is in the case of Golden, that you want to connect in like a two to three mile um, area. Another use case is first and last mile, getting people to and from transit stations, light rail stations, um, and large employer campuses. So we have another use case in another city that would test that use case. And then finally, downtown environments where think of like the 16th Street Mall ride, right? Uh, similar type of use case where people hop on and off, very frequent bus rapid transit type of model and, and free and in public transit service. So anyone can hop on and off whenever they want. And uh, that's what we set off to do. I think if we can do that, we can also educate the industry about what it takes to overcome barriers, not on the technology just, but insurance and public perception and all of these other barriers that no one's tested because they haven't done it at the scale that we're hoping to do it at. Um, and you know, we can also attract a lot of companies here um, to this innovation ecosystem in Colorado that we want to showcase. So those are really the three goals, you know, scale, tested at scale and in different use cases, educate the industry and attract talent to Colorado. I love it. And I love to see that this is actually happening. You know, I know we talk a lot about autonomous vehicles as, you know, this future thing that at some point will exist. And here we go. We're actually seeing this in, you know, the real world. Can we talk a little bit more about the project in Golden? Because that one recently launched, is that right? And that one's actually out there happening right now as we speak. How is that going? Yeah, so AVCO, AVCO is kind of the program and there are three projects within it. And the first one called the Mines Rover launched in August with the Colorado School of Mines and the city of Golden. And it's actually the largest of the three projects in terms of the number of shuttles we have out there and kind of the service area. And, and we're, we're really excited. I mean, we're, we're still ramping up. Um, yep. 
in terms of the number of shuttles that we have out there, but uh, we hope to have nine shuttles with seven in service that will connect um, some student housing about a mile and a half from campus with the main campus. It'll connect the entire campus with itself, um, the athletic complex and Clear Creek, which is a, a recreation area. And really importantly, it'll connect the university more closely with the city. That's you know mm. currently about a mile away from campus. And so right now we have, um, we hope to have seven shuttles in service. Right now, I believe we have five working to get two more into service here. And um, when we do, it'll be the single largest um, deployment of this type of technology on public roads and in mixed traffic. And I wonder like, how are people uh, reacting to it? Cause you know, I feel we've all seen, you know, various news reports of, you know, accidents happening and testing of, of autonomous vehicles. And, you know, we can, we can argue about if they're, uh, you know, whether that actually means they're not safe or they're just, you know, there's always going to be accidents, but um, people are actually getting on these and are they excited about it? I mean, I know Colorado School of Mines is like a, a STEM institution primarily. So I'm guessing these you know students are pretty gung ho about the future and technology, but like, what is the perception? What are people actually thinking when they see these vehicles going around? It's a good question, and we've been doing a lot of interviews with people to try and to try and capture those perceptions. But just for you know the listeners, these these shuttles you know have no steering wheel or brake pedal. They have um, you know no tra- traditional vehicle elements inside of them, and they've just got six seats that are facing towards each other with a computer screen in the middle. And they also do have what's called a customer service ambassador. So this is a human being. It's actually a mind student that's being paid cool. and has essentially an iPad that if they need to, they could take control of the shuttle if there's a double parked car. So now that you have that vision, seeing these drive down the street, they're also very slow. And so they're very noticeable. They go a maximum of 12 miles per hour. And and so you get a lot of looks, right? From drivers, from <laughs> pedestrians, from cyclists. And, and so there's a lot of curiosity um, I think now that they've been on the road for almost two months or about two months now, we're starting to, to also see some some healthy skepticism about the slow moving vehicle part of things, right? Cars get stuck behind them, they get upset and impatient, and they question how valuable the service really is. And so this type of living laboratory environment, we're learning a lot about of what people will tolerate and what people get upset about. These are areas where people should be driving really slow anyways and generally drive too fast. So we're all on the same page with the city and, and mines, um, the School of Mines, uh, that this is still a super valuable service. But um, you know, students are stoked. They're engineering students and we're actually hiring them to learn the technology and, and be ambassadors and talk about the technology, uh, which represents the future. So. For the most part, it's all been really positive, and we hope to hear more feedback from the community. That's, I mean, that's. This is why this is such an, an important project. This that you know program that's going on because, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes perfect sense. I can imagine a driver getting stuck behind one of these slow moving vehicles, uh, maybe even a bike. You know, someone who's normally biking a little bit faster, and uh, maybe they feel like it's uh, not actually providing value. I love the idea though, this like secondary benefit of actually we're slowing down traffic 
and that should be going <laughs> slow anyway. Uh, that's really cool. So besides that, besides slowing down traffic, you know, what benefits are people seeing? Like what are the, the writers themselves? What are they saying? Are, is this something that's actually helping them, you know, day to day? Are there things that there is it just kind of like a cool novelty or are they actually like, hey, I see this as a future thing. This is great. It's a really good question. Our goal is for them to not see them see it as a novelty and to see it as a real transportation service that they use. And, you know, it, the reviews are still coming in, right? We're just now getting feedback from students. We're doing some social media campaigns. Um, and it's a, it, it's a mixed bag so far, right? There are students that very much want to use the service, even though it doesn't get them there, you know, four times as fast as maybe it would walking or, or biking. It gets them there faster, a little bit faster, and they don't have to walk, which is an awesome benefit that we've heard from, you know, uh, people with disabilities. Each one of these shuttles has um, ADA accessibility and ADA ramp, and we're, we're putting some ADA tie downs as well to secure the wheelchairs. And so that community has been super supportive that, you know, a, a vehicle manufacturer took their, you know, situation in mind as they designed this. And so there's lots of situations where um, those people are, are using these, these shuttles and getting around much more ably than they could without it. We've also seen really good weather so far, right? And when it gets cold and or rainy and or snowy, we expect students to use the shuttles more and more. And we don't quite have ridership numbers. We're waiting on um, an API to, to get finalized to start sharing that data. And we'll really get to dive into how many people are using it, how often, how full are the shuttles and all of that data that we're excited to, to discover. Yeah, that'll be really exciting. We'll certainly follow, follow along. And I'm sure we'll have a follow-up episode at some point uh, to talk about how did these go, um, particularly not just this one, but the other two that you mentioned um, throughout the Denver area as well. Uh, are these going to be operating during, if it's snowing and raining, is there any weather limitation that will shut them down? There are limitations, but they actually do operate well in adverse weather. Easy Mile has even done uh, deployments in Minnesota and testing in the Arctic Circle. So it's not the colder the snow that snows, slows them down necessarily. However, when it's, if there's too much snow and it accumulates too fast, it changes the environment around the shuttle and the shuttle uses that environment to know where it is. So if it changes it, it too much, it may stop. So really large amounts of snow, or if it's raining or snowing too hard, where the density of the precipitation in front of the sensors is determined as an obstacle. And so in that case, they may have to suspend service as well. But if it's just snow on the ground um, or a light snow or a light rain, the vehicles operate really well and actually handle good in snow with the battery being low to the center of gravity. And, um, you know, instead of a en heavy engine being right up, right up front or right behind. Sure, that makes sense. And I think once again, another benefit of actually having this out in the real world, we can see what, you know, how often is that, that these are not able to operate. And I think from what it sounds like pretty infrequently, even in a place like Golden, Colorado, where we could expect, you know, big snows every once in a while, it doesn't, you know, I feel like this is, this is going to be pretty consistent um, form of transportation and we're on the cutting edge still. So we can, you know, I'm sure the team at Easy Mile will be learning from this as well to improve their technology over time. So 
One of the other things I think is really interesting about this is that it's like, like you mentioned, it's one of the first programs that's really looking at scaling um, autonomous vehicles in a you know, shared sense here uh, in a real world environment where people are actually using it, not like in like a you know, pilot kind of thing where you have particular people who are chosen to be riders, but they're actually just regular people who choose to get on the, on the vehicle. Why is this important? You know, and why do we need, first of all, do we need more of these programs? I'm assuming you'll say yes. And why, you know, why is it important that they, that they happen? For so many reasons. I think that AVCO is really important because even if the technology were 100% ready today and there were, you know, multiple models out there that could scale commercially safely, there are a lot of other barriers preventing this type of technology from entering the market. And we designed this program to try and test those and learn from them and overcome them so that we can show the industry how to do this, right? The number of partners that it required to bring this project over the course of two years to market is pretty substantial. We had to get approval from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, from the Colorado Department of Transportation and Colorado State Patrol. So there's a whole regulatory environment that we, we had to navigate. There's a huge element of uncertainty around how people will perceive autonomous vehicles when they have the chance to engage with them. And personally, I think that other partners in the project would agree with me though, I think there is a, a terrible misperception out there right now about what mm -hmm. an autonomous vehicle is with the, the mismarketing that some companies have done around these low levels of automation where there's an unclear line between when the driver is responsible and when the driver is not. This is a very clear, there is no responsibility for someone that gets on this shuttle, right? It's all out of their hands and it's a shared model. You know, I think there are a lot of the data out there that suggests that autonomous vehicles not deployed in a shared fashion could greatly disrupt our transportation system. If people have, for example, their own Teslas and they're driving around doing errands for them or, you know, <laughs> without anyone in them, it's going to cause havoc on our limited roadway space. And so the model that the, the most important thing, in my opinion, that this is doing is changing the perception of what an autonomous vehicle is and how it's used and how it's integrated with other systems as opposed to everyone owning their own, which could cause more issues than, than good. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And we had that conversation as well with Marie France last week on the podcast about, you know, why it's important to have a shared autonomous and how actually shared autonomous vehicles are a solution towards taking people out of their own vehicles versus, you know, personally owned autonomous vehicles may make it worse. So I agree 100%. I think this is good to get this out there to people in Colorado. And as more programs come around, around you know, the country and the world, people globally can start to see what an actual autonomous vehicle is and feel comfortable with it and understand it and then hopefully start adopting it moving forward. I love this project I, and this, this program. Um, I'm super pumped that you all are doing it and doing it in Colorado. Um, and I'm excited to actually go try it myself. I'm, I'm going to for sure do that. I hope it's up, open to me. I'm not a student of uh, the School of Mines, but uh, that's my plan. 
I'm going to go go test it out. Or maybe when the one in Greenwood Village opens or Colorado Springs, um, they sound they sound really interesting. I haven't been on an autonomous vehicle yet somehow. And uh, maybe this will be the first one. Yeah, they're just just to clarify, they are open to anyone. So, you know, nice. you, can, you can go and jump on. Perfect. So anyone listening, the next time you have a trip to Colorado or if you live in Colorado, uh, take a detour up from Denver into Golden. It's beautiful anyway. And then hop on one of these vehicles. I mean, it's a win-win. Uh, so Tyler, you know, we're at the end of our, our time here, but, um, you know, we want to just kind of summarize everything. Uh, we've talked a lot about, about, you know, a lot of different things, but just kind of honing in on that, on that message. Can you tell us a little bit in a few sentences, you know, why will autonomous vehicles Colorado or Avco, particularly this, this program that you're running, why will that help save the planet? Avco is demonstrating in a real world environment, the technologies that have the potential to help save the planet and to help radically transform our transportation system for the better. They don't inherently save the world though, and, and they have to be proven. And there are a lot of barriers to, to scaling these technologies. And we've designed Avco in a way that hopefully tests and challenges those barriers and finds, finds ways to overcome them so we can accelerate the introduction of these technologies in a way that benefits people and um, learns from people as well. Really well said. I, like I said, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Uh, we'll certainly be following up. And this is a, a great time for me to you know, plug the podcast again and, and plug for everyone who's, who's listening to this one to subscribe to our email list. You can find, uh, you can do that at betweenthelines.io because we'll send out more information each week about our conversations. So you can dive more into Avco, learn a little bit more about it, um, learn a little bit more about the, the programs and projects that you're, that you're running um, over at Colorado Smart Cities Alliance. Uh, so make sure you subscribe. Give us a, a like and a follow and a rating wherever you listen to the podcast and definitely check out the video as well. Um, it's a beautiful day behind Tyler there in downtown Denver. So you're missing out on that if you're not, if you're not watching us. Uh, all of that, once again, found at Between the Lines, betweenthelines.io. So we have our final question for you, Tyler. Um, for those of us who you know, listen every week, um, you know what I'm about to ask. But we're building this music playlist with songs from our guests. So for those of us who have to uh, commute a long way, we have something to listen to. Would you like to add anything? And if so, what is it? Yeah, I've, I've been jamming to uh, a, a remake of Modest Mouse, Float On by, by Phil Good. It's, uh, I mean, it, this song starts, right, with like running into a cop car and, and, and a lot of bad things that happen to him. And when, I guess personally in my career, I run into a lot of barriers and, and hard times and just remembering that we're all going to float on and be just fine. It's a good song to rock out to uh, on my way to work. I love that. Yeah, I bet a, a lot of us in the transportation industry, you know, need that, that mantra. Let's just keep going, you know, overcome those barriers. I love it. We'll add it in. Uh, check out the podcast or check out the uh, playlist on Spotify. Uh, you can find it by, you know. Once again, going to betweenthelines.io or searching up uh, on Spotify for the Commutify Between the Lines playlist. Tyler, it's been great having you on. I'm really excited to see where Avco goes. Really excited to see these programs continue to grow. Um, thanks for taking the time to be on. Thanks for having me, Andy. 
Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify.